every single child that gets exposed to lots of views and lots of comments online is going to have some kind of unconscious uh, behavioral shift or, or become dysfunctional. What I am saying is that there is without a doubt, if a child, an adult, any human being gets exposure to a lot of comments, a lot of observation from other people, their belief systems, their values get molded by what other people say about them. And that's a conversation I think we should bring into this one today. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe, and you're listening to the Growth Tribes podcast with Dr. Rowe and Harms. This is the podcast where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to develop and record these podcasts is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine sincere hope, that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have gained at least one insight that you can take away and apply directly into your own life. Practical tools, voices that come in from both generations, the younger generation with tips and tools and the older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience so that you can help unlock your true potential to give the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level and to give you a chance to impact both your lives and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. Welcome to the Growth Tribes podcast. Hello, Harms here and welcome to another episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. Today, we wanted to discuss a topic that maybe goes under the radar, and I think typically it does go under the radar now, or it does not get enough reflection. And we'll explore why that is through the episode. But it is possibly because it appears to be normal practice now, or everyone is doing it. Now, there's a two typical reasons why you know, it just doesn't get that kind of reflection anymore. And more than anything, we want to ask questions without judgment that any parents listening may want to reflect on. Now, what is the subject? The subject is, should I put my kids on social media and share their lives, activities in such a public space? So interestingly enough, I started to have this conversation with Ro and he mentioned it to me first on a socially distant bike ride that we was on. And then I shared with him, I was having the same conversation with my wife, Gina. We were having that conversation about, should I put my kids on social media before our baby arrives? And I'll share with Ro a few more things as we go through the episode. Now, why we were thinking about that so early is because the question applies to children, i.e. newborns, toddlers, children aged 8, 9, 10, early teens, and so on. So, Ro, over to you. I don't know if you recall that conversation when you raised it to me. And I was like, yep, we're having the exact same conversation literally two days ago. Yeah, I do distinctly remember it. And I think it's been one that's bubbling under the surface. Firstly, hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Again, thank you for joining us and being part of this. Escalating topics as they come in. This is a provocative one. I just want to put a big red sign above this or a green sign or purple sign, whatever, to say this will without a doubt be provocative and i suspect that we may say things today not that that's the intention but because we're going to be neutral and ask questions here although i'm going to be biased in my answers my personal view but that doesn't mean to say what i believe or what harminder believes has to be your belief 
but we also feel that as two people are conscious about where the world is going, we wanted to tackle this subject from how we see it. So it is provocative. And if you listen to this and you're a parent or you've just become a parent and some of the things that we say, you might go, well, hold on a minute, I'm doing that. It's not meant to be a judgment. What I would say, use it as an opportunity to observe, reflect, ask questions. If what we're saying, actually go, you know what, actually this kind of makes sense. Or if actually you think, yeah, I understand what they're saying, but for me, it doesn't really apply. I don't really care what you're thinking. I'm going to do it this way anyway. So I think I just want to be clear, Harms, that we are going to touch on some subjects here, which because it's family, because it's children, it can be sensitive, particularly in the current world where there's so many people putting their kids all over social media. I do remember the conversation and I I wasn't aware of the depth of you, your conversation. So maybe you could elaborate on that here. I'm certainly happy to share some of the conversations that we've had. It's a big mm. subject. I know it's, you're right. You're totally right. It has, I think, gone under the radar. I think maybe people aren't considering the impact of it. And that's not to say there is a big impact, but I think when we share our view, it might at least get people thinking slightly differently. And I know there's a lot of other parents, certainly in the community I'm in, and you've been in and out of my community now for a few months. They're very much aware of this, aren't they? You can almost sense it in the way they are, the way they act with their kids and what they do with the information and how they film their kids, etc. Absolutely, Ro. And I think one of the things when social media first arrived on the scene, maybe these conversations were taking place then, but they were, you know, in terms of a predictive conversation, ah, this may happen, this may happen. Right. But we're starting to see things actually play out in the social media world now. That being said, we haven't gone through a full generational cycle. So as an example, I didn't have social media when I was growing up. You didn't have social media when you was growing up. It's our children now who are experiencing it very early. So what we won't see, or we can again predict possibly, but we're starting to see signs of some of the challenges mm. our children may be facing, but they're not, we're not going to know this for true fact until somebody goes through an entire generation on social media. Does that's that make a, sense? No, that's a very, very good point. And I mean, whilst we're into this space, I can talk from my observation as a 54, 55 year old looking at, so I'm going to try and draw an analogy where we might get close to it back when I grew up. So these would be child movie stars, child celebrities who... As I followed them, I mean, I'm thinking of the likes of some, I'm not going to name names, but some of the f famous boy bands, for example, young movie stars that became epically huge. Even today, people that we know as mature. The famous one is the Home Alone. The Home Alone saga oh, was. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was just about to say, actually, but I mean, I, I'm mindful of us naming people here, but people can yeah. go and look up this. The point I want to make is that I have actually witnessed their exposure early on in the media, which would have been equivalent to our social media. I'm, we're talking about cameras, photography, uh, video footage, uh, media footage, cameras following them around. Most of you, if you've just recently been watching some of the stuff on Michael Jordan and the recent release of videos, you see how much exposure he got to the camera in those days and to the point where he got, you know, he got fed up with it and walked away from a lot of that as well. But also I've seen very famous young people who went off the rail ended up in drinks, alcohol, or just because of that exposure, it changed their makeup. And I get to deal with people a lot with the personal development world who, when I dig deeper, I found that they've had some form of exposure like this in their youth, which 
has kind of reversed their, you know, they've almost gone opposite. They've turned into hermits because they had so much exposure early. So I don't want to preempt what we're going to say because that is that, that does to some extent lean on the way I think as well. I don't know if I'm making sense, but that does make sense. So you've experienced it in the classic conventional way. Yeah. Media, movies, newspapers, you know, that classic example where somebody would have been the highlight of the town. Like there was that famous person in the town. They would also experience that level of fame, that level of awareness on everything they were doing. So that's how it's played out there. Now that's very much in the ways playing out in social media. But like you said, well, let's, let's go on and discuss that. But I think Mm. what's useful first is to define what we mean when we say putting our kids on social media. What does that mean to you, Ro? Okay, so I'll, I'll throw a few in and you can throw a few in. And by, by no means, remember, this is us saying our view on it. So I'm, I'm, I'm layering lots of caveats in here before we just go for it. So, so I think consider things like this, posts of videos of your kids doing lots of different activities. So when I grew up, we might make a home movie, we'd watch it at home. Now I'm seeing those same home movies being exposed to thousands of people. So that's an example. Another one might be creating online videos on YouTube video series. Almost, I watch some of these, it's almost like the kids have been directed to do it. It's like, right, we're going to do this scene here. Right, we're going to go do this scene here. So it's a structured approach. So there's those that just constantly post about their kids across social media. And there's those that have made an almost uh, formulaic approach to it. Uh, that would be an interesting. Example. So, so talking about the formulaic approach is also linked with one in a simple level, sharing content around their lives. So right. what is my child up to? Let me share content around their lives. But then another version of that is again, directing or formulating that content. It's almost like writing a script and then asking your child to play out in this script in order to, you know, get some exposure and put themselves out there on social media. So that's one way it plays out. But one of the things that happen with that when it comes to what do we mean by putting your kids on social media is very simply exposing them to potentially thousands and thousands and if not hundreds of thousands of strangers. That's We know that because you know I've got a, a digital marketing company. Ro, you, you as a adult, as a business owner, have a profile on social media. Mm-hmm. We have a sort of profile via the Growth Tribes podcast and you know, we've got thousands and thousands of downloads, but unless we know those people personally, some of them are going to be strangers until we f- we start to have that connection over time. Yeah. But what we're doing is potentially really simply put, we're just exposing our kids to thousands of strangers. <laughs> so that's that's what I guess that's a, a few different elements on what we mean by putting our kids on social media in terms of how it plays out. But I wanted to add another important note, which I know you're aware of, but I'm not sure the listeners and quite commonly when we speak to people about this subject, they just don't get it or it's such a new concept to them. And they're like, oh, my goodness, the penny's just dropped. And that penny is what is a social media company and how do they work? So a lot of us consumers or users of social media think the platform is free. So if the platform is free and we're not paying for that service, how do they make money? So that's a big powerful question because how they make money will potentially drive how they how they do business you know how they make their decisions so the way social media companies make their money is through advertising revenue so if you look at that scenario there and we ask the powerful question which is so who is the customer who is facebook instagram youtube's actual customer and if we look at it in depth and 
and ask that question, who's the customer? The customer is obviously the person paying the money. In this case, it's businesses that spend advertising revenue to market to people who are using the platform for free, i.e. us. You know, everybody listening to this podcast will to some extent be using social media. So I thought that was worthwhile explaining, Ro, because, you know, when you allow your kids to use social media or potentially put them on there, one of the things they will be exposed to naturally is a ream of advertising, which is hyper-focused. So I thought that may be useful for the listeners at home to be aware of. Yeah. And, you know, it's a question that is provocative in so many ways is how and where is that material being used? So although you might think, well, I've just put it on my Facebook page, you've no idea where that video of your children is being sent to, whose phone it ends up on. And you know, there's a lot of celebrities. If I, if I do the complete opposite to that, there are a lot of celebrities because of their experience of the celebrity world and the exposure that they've experienced, they literally lock off their kids from it. They, they completely remove their kids from that environment at all. They go out, they might be seen as celebrities themselves, but they don't want the media, the public to see their children, to have photographs of their children and to give their children exposure to that environment. So I've often asked, you know, when, when I see things that are happening, I'll, I'll ask a, a contrarian question. I'll say, well, why is it these people who are already very famous are actually choosing not to do that? Maybe there's things that they're aware of that the average person isn't aware of. And, and only when their kids get that exposure at some point in the future, they think, oh my gosh, should I have done this? So it's, it is, it's provocative in so many ways. And I'm not saying that every single child that gets exposed to lots of views and lots of comments online is going to have some kind of unconscious uh, behavioral shift or, or become dysfunctional. What I am saying is that there is without a doubt, if a child, an adult, any human being gets exposure to a lot of comments, a lot of observation from other people, their belief systems, their values get molded by what other people say about them. And that's a conversation I think we should bring into this one today as we go forward. That's fascinating, Well, And I think you've hit on a whole bunch of important points there. And what's interesting is a lot of those celebrities that you mentioned don't even put themselves on social media. And if they do, they do it for the purpose of building a business. And I think many people don't understand that. Many celebrities who we admire in Hollywood or movies, etc., really only put themselves on social media for a business perspective, but rarely will you see them present their personal life. So I think I love that idea of thinking, well, if social media is not good enough for the people we admire, why do we chase it and use it ourselves, and then subject our kids to it as well? Now, I phrase that question again, slightly biasly, but it wants it, it, the idea is to provoke the thought. But Ro, now narrowing back on the core question, which is, you know, do we put our kids on social media? Should we? As a parent, now you are a parent, I am a parent-to-be do you currently put your kids on social media or have you at any point? And I guess that's it. That's really the question I want to start with. So here's the $64 million question. And it has been a topic in our house for a long time. And particularly more recently with having two and uh, you know, five-year-old and 11-year-old as I'm recording this. So the answer to that is on a personal level, on my own private Facebook page, when my, my eldest was born, we put a few photographs up. I can even remember one time walking up onto a big hill near where our house was and showing a photograph with the sun setting. And it was literally that to a small group of people that were on my personal page. But even back then, and this is going back quite a few years now, I remember thinking, okay, why am I actually doing this? Why do I feel a need? And so I'm 
sharing with you some of the provocative questions we have brought into our household. Why do I, Dr. Rowe, as a 50-year-old man, feel a need to take a photograph of my children and put them in front of a whole bunch of other people? Now, it was different back in the day, Harms, before I started working with you and we had a whole profile around the Dr. Rowe brand. But what I'm talking about here is my own personal Facebook page. And initially, the Facebook page was a small number of people. So I'm kind of backing up a bit. Even if I go back 11 years, you'd have been, what, 20, roughly about 20 harms, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you were sort of coming in and discovering this. For me back then, everyone, we were all like, okay, Facebook is for a few friends. That's how we kind of approached it. But then the whole hook of Facebook and, and the social media took off and there was, you know, suddenly, suddenly there was this chase for, and need to have lots of friends, which I, which I guess might even be a topic for another conversation on another day. And that's when I started to think, hold on a minute. And I had people even texting me saying, oh, you haven't accepted me onto your Facebook page. And I was starting to think, well, why do I even need to accept people onto my Facebook page? I don't know that I want to talk about openly to lots and lots of people what I'm doing with my kids. Also, I don't know where the photographs are being used. What if my child's photographs being used in a magazine or somebody who's not necessarily appropriate is looking at it? So we very quickly chose not to do it on a personal level. On the Dr. Rowe page, you will occasionally see a video, and it is very occasionally, of me out with my kids. I think I did one about maybe a month ago. We were collecting wool, I think, to, from the sheep. You might have seen that one, Harminda. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't driven by me. That was driven by my five-year-old saying, Daddy, because she sees me do stuff to camera where I'm trying to help people on Facebook and send messages out, which are educating and inspiring people. And she said, oh, Daddy, can I tell them what I'm doing with the wool? Can we share with them how we collect the wool and what we do with it? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, can I do a video like you do? So we did like a three minute video, two minute video where she literally just wanted to say we're collecting wool in the field here, etc." Even that, when I did that video, there was a little part of me that was saying, should I do this or not? You know, is it, where's my boundaries? What's the purpose of this? What? And I started asking myself the questions about why would I want to do it? But she, she genuinely wanted to do it. My eldest daughter came along and wanted to do the same thing. So the answer to your question, although it's in a long way, is actually very, very rarely. And you can probably vouch for that if you have a look and look through my space, my social media space. The reason it's been a discussion for a long time, Harms, is I... And you know this because you've got to know me on a private level. I'm actually quite a private person, albeit I'm in the public space. My fiance is incredibly private, as is your lovely wife, Gina. And I felt, why should I bring my world into the family? And bear in mind, I've got a beautiful partner who is quite private. And my kids, they don't have to be exposed to the world the same way I am. And why would I want to do that anyway? The only reason I'd do it is to serve my own ego or to say, show off my kids. Now, this is just my perspective and I might be challenging other people that are listening to this, but I really had to dig deep and went back to the sort of questions I ask my clients when I'm trying to help them overcome a block. Why did you feel you need to do this? Because ultimately it's a behavior that I'm choosing as an adult for my kids who aren't old enough to make a choice. I know it's a provocative statement. Am I making any sense as I'm talking? <laughs> that makes total sense, Ro. And it's and if you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, so what is that process? What what kind of questions do we ask ourselves as parents? Mm. Because I appreciate social media almost just became the norm. Like it just well, exactly. you know, you either did it or you didn't. How do you think about it? What kind of how does it affect people? None of this is discussed and you can find articles, etc. But Facebook, Instagram, Google, YouTube, etc., all of these companies, LinkedIn they're so powerful in the sense that 
they have created a norm. Whereas if you're not on Facebook, are you, are you some sort of strange person? Like if you're not on Bingo. social media, are Bingo. you hireable? Like what? Right. What? So that's so. And I, there's I, the it FOMO. Totally makes sense. I mean, it's a FOMO is a, is a I think a millennial yeah. firm, term, isn't it? But it's like the FOMO thing. They were so in that period, that early period when you were probably like in your twenties, and I was, you know, becoming a parent and. It was like people, so how come you haven't put your kids on social media? Well, you should put your kids. And it all became like, oh shit, maybe I should. And it was only by asking the question, hold on, why do I need to? So it became a almost like a cult. There was a wave of parents going, let's get our kids on social media. Everyone started talking about it. Instead of you showing, a f- back in the day, it was like, oh, I'll go upstairs and get the photo album. Well, when I come to your house, let's bring photo albums and we'll sit around the fireplace or the coffee and we'll do it together. It was very intimate. It was something you did. And that changed the minute you could post online. Everything changed. And, and the big difference there, though, is one was sharing these photos with a select group of people exactly you have allowed into your home now it's that photo just like you've said a few times is that could end up anywhere and if anybody's listening to this you know this is a truth because every single whatsapp group i'm in or any kind of facebook group i'm in there's a repost or somebody's forwarding on a video which has a different topic or subject or title and these videos are of real people out there in the world now yeah. it's all sorts of videos you know some are funny some are have a different message but everybody listening to this has received some sort of video now the question is what if that video was of your child and that was living on so many people's phones whether it's in the uk in europe or america and it spreads like wildfire how does that impact your children that's probably something people need to start thinking about because we see it with other kids I was with a group of people that's going back about a year ago now. And one of them was showing a photograph and they said, have you seen this photograph? And it was coming on a WhatsApp group, flashed it up. And it was a picture of a lady's child. And the child's head was quite large relative to its body for its age. And they were all laughing and saying, oh my God, look at this kid's head. It's totally disproportionate. That's like freaky. And I, I was thinking, fuck, if that, if that was my child, and somebody was talking about my kids that way, I would be pissed off and these were strangers that didn't even know this this baby that's where we've got to i mean that that's the challenge that we all face is that what was once a photograph we showed to a family member maybe the comment comes up we might even as the parents say i'm a bit worried you know his head seems a bit big and your aunt nelly says don't worry your johnny was just the same his body will catch up now that same photograph could be gone out to 50 people who are strangers laughing at your kid and you might think well who cares but and this goes back to a child's reaction to how they are perceived and how they grow up because of a set of beliefs that are put upon them by other adults and i'll see if i can tackle that before we finish that's the stuff i get to have to deal with mm. um, but we'll get there we'll get there in a bit so i've got a question for you then so i'm going to reflect this back to you because you've asked me about me you haven't got kids yet and i know the baby's on the way but you're you know because of your business with business online and you're, you're heavily involved with social media and you get to look at a lot of different channels and you, you, you've got your finger on the pulse. When you see these channels and you see these videos where not just the random ones, but you see kids being posted a lot and the parents are creating these channels around them. What do you see technically? Because a lot of people just see the end product. But what are you thinking about in terms of the process they must have had to get to to create that many consistent videos of their kids? Mm, that's a really good question, Ro. And let me tackle this in two ways. One is, you know, the reason I wanted to have this conversation with you and explore this thought process is when we had that bike ride, I was sharing with you 
you know, we have a baby on the way. And one of the questions we asked ourselves was, we had gone through the same thought process that you've just described to the listeners within your household. And for us, the answer was, do we want to put our children on social media? No, for many of the reasons that you've already explained. But now there was another question that we had, which came up, which was, are we okay with our brothers, sisters, very close family members who are avid social media users, putting our kids on social media via their social media oh, channel, yeah. channels. Oh my gosh. So this was actually what formed a greater part of that conversation, which is what do we tell somebody else who's still very close to us about putting our kids on social media? They would do it with their own nieces and nephews, etc. And it just is the norm. They don't, they don't think about it. They haven't considered it in the way that we're talking about it now. But maybe if they listen to this podcast, they would think, ah, why are we putting somebody else's kids on social media? Is it for my perks? Like, and we're going to explore some of these things, I'm sure. So again, we had to make a decision as parents to say, okay, we're going to have to set some guidelines or social media guidelines around what can be shared on their public spaces. Because just for all the reasons you said, just because I never posted my child's photo, somebody else may do, and they mm. may be close to me, and it's all harmless, it's all innocent, but when it ends up in a way that our child looks at it in, I don't know, 15, 20 years, and they mm. are a laughing stock in, in the eyes of a stranger, in the eyes right. of somebody they never knew or never met, then do we want to walk that road? And the answer was no. So we had thought through this as well. So it I was just, I mean, just to jump process. in, for anyone listening... Mm. Don't make the assumption that we're saying that just because your child's there, somebody laughs at it, it's going to make a massive difference. It's more the philosophy here because, I mean, we can come back to it actually because I do want to talk about the fact that children, without a doubt, shadow of a doubt, with all the work that we've done over the years with people, that an adult's makeup, beliefs and values are shaped the way they see the world, perceive or experience the world at a young age. Now, if that child is getting exposed to a lot of people and there are comments being made about that child, that's where you've got issues. I just recently watched an amazing film about Judy Garland with Rene uh, Z Z Zellweger, I think her name is, isn't it? An incredible yeah. film, but it gave a fascinating insight. I knew the story already, but fascinating insight into how her adult life, where she ended up on barbiturates and drugs, was a lot influenced by the way she was perceived and treated as a child because she had so much exposure. And it was the tiniest things about what she couldn't and couldn't eat, how she was commented upon, whether she was pretty or not. Throwaway comments that we as adults perceive to be harmless to a child can crush their beliefs about who they are. And, I, mm. and if you want to argue that case, just come to one of my live events and just give it time. Something always shows up and it, and it often comes back to that. So it's, although you might think that we're being sensitive to this, which I think the other phrase you might want to say is we're just being very mindful. We're being thoughtful, as you heard our interview just recently with Mindy Gibbons Klein, or conscious is another word. It's just pausing before we make these kind of decisions. Sorry to jump in harms, but I really want to add to this. No, that's massively important. And I think what, what Roe means for the listeners at home is when you come to the live event, you'll see people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, who are doing things now in their current life, which is a decision or path they're on solely because of something that happened to them as a child. And it's right. fascinating. Yeah. Um, and remember, those comments could be negative and they also could be positive. So, you know, but we can't control that. That starts to become out of our control. So looping back to the answer, that's why we thought it'd be useful to have that discussion today and 
and even empower the listeners to say, if you've got brothers and sisters, or you've got people around you who are really close to you, that it's okay to say to them, right now, we're not comfortable with putting our children on social media. This is why, hopefully you respect that decision. So that's, I thought that may be useful for the listeners to empower them to be able to have that open conversation. And if you want some tactics and tools to be armed with, this episode you're listening to today is full of those. So that should hopefully help. On the technical front, just to help Mm. somebody understand who doesn't really fully understand this. So just adding to the question then, is when you watch a series of videos, what what technically is going on to create that? Because I just want those people watching who have got an idea to do this, because we had this conversation last year when we were in Australia, it is what's involved, just briefly, if somebody's going to create something like that. I, I know already, but I'm asking you as somebody talking from a technical perspective. Yeah, that, so you know, it's not like they just film it and that's it. Okay, great. Oh, they're in the moment. Let's make it perfect. It doesn't work that way, does it? It doesn't work that way. And if you want to know the technical process, it's two things to consider. One is it becomes a full-time job. And if you want evidence of that, there's some fantastic people who create these documenting style movies. And one that comes to mind is Casey Neistat. Now, Casey Neistat is known on YouTube to vlog on a daily basis, weekly basis. Now, he's currently doing a circuit of podcast interviews where he talks about the fact that he was producing a daily video. Now, this video is only five to seven minutes long. So Hmm. the end product is five to seven minutes long. He said he was literally close to losing losing his wife and kids because of that intense process he put himself under about documenting and videoing his life. Now, that's him in full control of his own video camera and his own production. Now, if you imagine what that's like and you translate that to trying to direct children to tell a story about what's happening, then take that video footage, ensuring the battery on the camera is always charged and the memory card has enough space in it, taking that footage <laughs> to edit it. And Rose laughing because this is, if anybody's involved <laughs> in any kind of video production, batteries and memory cards oh, are 99% of the problem. So you take that video, you then produce it because guess what? The video is not going to be good enough raw. It has to be edited. It has to be ready for your audience, your viewers. And that editing process can take hours. Then you've got to decide what parts you keep in, what parts actually fulfilled the story and the script that you had in your mind. Never mind what the kids had in their mind, but what did you have in your mind? Then you have to produce that. Once you've produced it, you've got to render it. So rendering is a, is a simple term to take it from an edited raw footage, processing, and then Mm. allow the software to turn that into a video that you can now upload. Now that video has to be uploaded to YouTube or Facebook or whatever, depending on the quality that can take an hour to two hours, depending on your Wi-Fi connection. That's right. But guess what? It's not as simple as that because these families who have mastered the art where we watch them and we say, that's fantastic. Looping back to number one, it's a full-time job, but it's not just a full-time video job. It's a full-time digital marketing job. They have to nail the title, They have to nail the tags. They have to nail what the thumbnail looks like. And all of these things are important for one simple thing. They have to be discoverable. They have to be able to be found. Otherwise, nobody watches their videos. What was the point of spending all of that time not connected with your children, but instead connected with a video camera? 
to then share it with the world. So right. that's a technical umbrella on, on almost like a start to finish of what happens yeah. well with a bit of bias. You know, I have chucked in a bit of uh, yeah, yeah. To, and I mean, make I, it real for people. I, I know from even creating my own stuff how, how long it takes. And I think just to just to balance this up is when you're watching a program or a series like that, particularly for these ones that have lots and lots of views in thousands, if not millions, that there is a business behind it. There's, there's products being promoted. There's revenue being generated. So it, it's a choice probably from the parents that we're going to do this to create a revenue to be able to do this with our kids and take them here, there and wherever we're going to go. So what we're doing is just painting a picture for you so you understand that the different extremes, you know, the opposite to that is I've got my camera out, I film myself and the kids, I pop it onto Facebook for whatever purpose, which we'll come to in a minute. So there's two extremes, aren't there? Absolutely. So hopefully that makes sense in regards to wanting to put your kids on to create a business out of it. Now, yeah. that's the kind of process that's involved. So that's, you know, that's one principle to really understand. Now, well, I want to throw this back on you because you would have potentially experienced this. I'm curious. I have not yet, but I can sort of feel why this may creep in just from my own use of social media. And I'll actually explain this later on. So the question is, have you faced any pressure? What for, And if you have, what pressures have you faced to actually go and put your kids on social media? So I asked this question, bearing in mind, you just mentioned, you know, other YouTube stars. I mentioned Casey Neistat, but there's actually YouTube families out there. They're called YouTube families That's where right. their entire life is documented on YouTube and it is a business for them. They yeah, make a lot of revenue. It, it is. But, but that's sort of one pressure. One is monetary. Another pressure may be maybe the kids are asking. So I guess the question is, have you <laughs> come under those pressures? <laughs> um, that, that's a very good question. So you know I've had a conversation with you about a year ago when we were in Australia. Maybe we can pick that up a bit further down the line. But So actually, oddly enough, not a massive amount of pressure because I think of the evolution of the conversations that occur in our household. So myself and my partner tend to be of a similar view on this in the same way I think you are with Jeannie, your wife. What has happened on occasions, the kids have become attached to. So when we were traveling the last couple of years, there's a few of the YouTube channels that they followed, as you just mentioned there. And these are revenue generating YouTube channels as well for those families. And some of them, we, we like the ethics, we like the values and we like the message. So we've allowed the kids to watch some of that to get some inspiration about places to go visit. So that's the benefit of these type of videos as well. And that led to conversations, particularly for my eldest saying, oh, what if we were to do that, daddy? Why don't we create some videos and we can show people where we're traveling and when we go to these different places, we can share our experiences. And that did come up in a conversation on this. I mean, I can come to it a little bit later, but last year, certainly when we were in Australia, we got close to doing it. I had one person who is kind of in the media world sort of suggest, well, why don't you do some stuff with your family? You know, you've got a lovely family, you've got good quality values. Why don't you start capturing that journey that you're on with your kids now on YouTube so that people can see how your life is and how you live, the healthy aspects to your life and the balance you create. And that was probably about four years ago. And I sort of looked at it and thought, ah, you know what? I don't feel I need to do that on social media to make a statement about what my values are, because it felt like if I do that, it's Dr. Rowe using my family as a way of saying, hey, look at me. I eat healthy. I look after my kids well. I do this. I do that. And that just didn't feel right to me. That that felt like it was coming from a place of ego to show the world how I operate. I, I, and I think there's other ways I can do that as a speaker and as a writer. I don't know if that makes any sense. So not a massive amount of pressure, pressure, mainly, I think, because I'm 
pretty clear to people that I'm around, you've known this for a long time, where I stand. It almost like sometimes when you have such a strong set of beliefs, people go, whoa, don't go near him or her because, you know, we know how they operate. Mm, okay, that's interesting to know. So maybe if I put it, add, add another additional point to that is then have you faced any challenges with this? So you mentioned something about Australia and yeah, the kids wanting to put some stuff online. How did you deal with that when that was occurring? Because that is a that is a form of pressure, especially if one of the young ones is saying, "Daddy, I want to put this on. I want to show this. Uh, we're on this holiday. I want to show this." Like, so how did you manage that situation, knowing that they wanted to go on social media? Yeah, that's a good that's a good way actually of restructuring the question as well. Because yet yeah, the answer is yes, and so. They get excited having seen another child do it. You know, it's a little bit like when children, or the same as adults, really, when we see something, we go, okay, daddy, daddy, can we do a video similar to that? What about when we go see turtles in the Maldives or we came back from the Maldives and went off to Australia? It's like, can we, what about if we just capture every time we go out, we film it? And so the conversation started to become about what shall we film? And before we knew it, we were having like, 30, 40 minute conversations about, okay, well, the, the, the plan for the day is to go to this museum. Then we're going to go to this art gallery. Then we're going to go down and look at the sea. We're going to walk along the sea, find a nice cafe and find a vegetarian restaurant. All right. So what if we film there and we film that? And it was weird. The, the experience wasn't then about us just going freestyle and being there in these incredible places around the world. It was actually about how do we plan the day to start doing a bit of filming and how do we capture that? And then I started thinking, how many batteries do I need? Have I got a tripod? <laughs> <laughs> and you, you, you know this already, but you, you, cause you've been around my kids a lot, but kids, if you're an adult, you know, this kids live in the moment. So they just think, Oh great. It's instant. We can just do it. But equally kids get irritated once that moment has passed and they want to have the experience of the next moment. So what we found was, although I'd got this structured plan in my head, and I remember talking to you and saying that we've been thinking about doing this, and you're, you came back with exactly what you just described to our listeners, which is, wrote, you realize that you have to do this, 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 yeah, this. Yeah. And I, I said, yeah, I kind of know that, but you know, is there a way to get around that quickly? And you said, nah, you're going to have to do it a proper way because if you want to create a brand and you want it to look and feel a certain way. And I said to the kids and at the end of the day I said to them right when we finish the day we kind of need to talk to the camera and explain about how our day was and after the first day of trying this that I said like right let's get on the couch now and I got the camera out it's like daddy do we have to have the camera out again this was a conversation about six o'clock in the evening having been out and, and I said what do you mean well we had the camera out when we went to there we went to the museum and then we went to the beach and then you were and you asked me to go back and do that bit again because I had to I was like oh we missed that bit let's do it again and all of a sudden they started to get peed off and I, I instinctively, I knew this was going to happen, but honestly, you cannot be in the moment, being present, experiencing a first time experience with your kids. Like they saw stingrays and stuff like this and turtles and all this stuff that was first time for them and do that whilst filming the experience and say, oh, just do it again. Hold on. I didn't quite get the right angle there. You, you never see the world in the same way you would do it as a parent just being in the moment. And, and as somebody that's very aware of this, I was like, ah, uh -uh. and, and we've played with it a bit and we have done a bit of filming. It's never really found its way anywhere because we just kept it in house for the kids, but it didn't work for us. I just felt exactly as you described, it felt like I was going to work. Now I'm going to, the same way I would be preparing for a podcast maybe, or going to film myself doing speaking in front of an audience. All of a sudden my kids became a mobile set. <laughs> and, and I know there might be people that listen to this, uh, 
even you know big podcasters or they do stuff with their kids on youtube and i would honestly ask any of those families who are doing it and making it big hand on heart to say to me they can do it first time first cut it's very natural and then we still have the experience with the kids i just find that hard to believe i think as adults we have this natural instinct to want to get the right angle and all of a sudden the children who are just there in the moment they're not in the moment anymore because they're now what um, is this the right angle then is this the angle you want me to be at daddy which bit did yeah. you want me to do i'll just say that again the same way you just did it there i missed it i, I didn't get record button right or the light was wrong or the focus was off and all yeah. these little niggly things which take you away from the moment and i think I think what's interesting is if, what I would say is if somebody's listening to this and now you've heard me describe the process, you've heard Ro describe <laughs> it happening live on holiday. And I've done this with my wife as well when we went to Thailand. I would say, try it. So I would say, if you have this feeling to want to do this, I would say, try it. With the and questions we're going to give you at the end. With the questions we're going <laughs> to give you at the end. I think that's I think that's going to be powerful because then you've really been mindful about the whole process. And what I would say was, it's really interesting to see how this topic is a f this topic of social media. Period affects everybody on all levels. Whether it's putting kids on social media, whether it's how does the adult tackle this, whether yeah. it's to build a brand, whether it's to share the amazing life that you're living, whatever it is. I think what's interesting to see from my generation is there's this real divide, and what I've noticed is either which is the which is the large percentage the large percentage use social media it may not look like everybody's actively sharing but i can promise you everybody is actively consuming so what do i mean by that sharing is when you're actually physically posting but then you have to think about all of those people who are watching that content and we know it's in the billions because that's how many users are on facebook and instagrams and the youtubes it's in the billions so these people are looking at your life the life of the people that are posting and it can to be honest cause some serious turmoil which why well i've seen large i will phrase that smaller parts of my generation who have completely off social media they just cut it or they mm. decided maybe they had some wisdom or foresight and they just said uh -uh, this is not for me maybe they knew what those celebrities knew that they didn't share with the rest of the population which was Either they've just thought, what the hell is all this about and come off it completely, or they just had that wisdom to say, no, thank you, first first and foremost. Now, interestingly enough, I I fall into one of those categories where, where I don't use social media for personal experience in terms of consumption or sharing. Same so, here. yeah, and yeah, I know you're very similar. We both use it for business. But let me just quickly explain, bearing in mind, I never had social media as a child and I think it may be useful for me to share this because, you know, people of my generation may be going through this. And I just want to say it's okay to go through this cycle. So this is a snapshot of my wasted energy on this thing that we call social media in terms of consumption and not using it as it should be. Uh, and it's a very powerful tool. So I should make a note there. And it's a very powerful tool if used in the right way but what it can cause is things like this so for the first example is when i first experienced social media i consumed it it was what is everybody else doing how amazing are their lives cool then i went into a spell of i need to try and when i dug deep and i really asked myself the question it was i'm going to start sharing stuff because i want to look like those people i want them to feel like 
or other people to feel like my life is just as cool as those other people that are sharing stuff. I'm just as smart. I'm just as witty. I'm just as funny. My food is just as good. Whatever the kind of stuff I used to post, I can't even yeah. remember now. And then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm really sick of this. So what I did is I turned my account to private, which meant publicly people can't see it and they would have to ask to see my profile and then I would invite them in. Now, when I dug deeper, I realized that was just another ego mechanism where I was saying, I've got a private life and if you want to see it, you've got to ask by permission. So that was just as messed up. So, so that was a, another interesting discovery. And then what happened is I just completely stopped posting for mm. years, just completely stopped posting anything personal, just disappeared. And I often see this with a lot of people. They won't post nothing. Then all of a sudden you see their baby photo. Yeah. And it's like, wow, wow. Okay. But I don't judge them because I know what that's happened to me, which is fascinating. But when we dig deeper, which hopefully will help them with some questions in a moment, they'll understand why we go through this turmoil and why we waste all this time here. So then I switched off, I switched off my privacy part and I opened it up to public again and I started to post again. And then I was just like, I've had enough. This is just a complete joke. And I completely switched off all personal consumption and sharing and only used it for business purposes. And it was very much my business partner. And also to see, Ro, how you operated to say, actually, you can continue to live your life however you want to live your life. Be super happy. There's no need to interact with complete strangers online, but you can benefit from the powerful tool that is social media if you use it as a business. Yeah. So that's a quick snapshot. And no doubt there was a lot more checkpoints along the way, but that's a quick snapshot of how much time and energy I wasted. And interestingly, I know I'm not alone because I can physically see this pattern happening to other people on their accounts. So now I use it as a fascinating human observation tool, but it is really, really just a mind-blowing amount of energy wasted. Well, my, my feeling is that you've described something that other people must have related to just listening to that. I mean, you can even go out to celebrities that have gone through this. I mean, Ed Sheeran famously just recently, I think, came off everything, didn't he? He was just like, I've had enough. You can only um, get him on email. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and I just spoke to somebody just this week, actually, she's gone through the same phase of thinking. Uh, she's kind of, you, it might be worth us creating a little model there because what you've described, I think, is a very common phase for a lot of people and it's only by you breaking it down you go actually that's so true now you add being a parent in there and it's suddenly a different dimension now because it's tugging back on those basic core needs that we have which are needs to connect with other people the need to be recognized by other people the need for our ego to feel like we're being seen or we feel significant and this is and, I, and I, i'm pressing a button here that might possibly upset people but i honestly question sometimes when somebody suddenly throws pictures of their kids all over social media or into their facebook page are they doing it because they just want to share with because if you did it and you don't expect anything back that's one thing but people get so many likes so much recognition and as as people as human being it's one of the basic human needs we have it's a need to have connection and to be recognized by the people I years ago when I was doing a lot of inspirational type talks, one hour, two hour talks, I used to use the word recognition. I used to say recognition. Babies cry for it. Soldiers die for it. Just think about that for a minute. Recognition. Babies cry for it. They want to be recognized. They want to be picked up and loved. But social soldiers will die for it to get that recognition that maybe they'll have done something amazing. 
they've helped their their fellow man but they've also been recognized for it in between that is us in our daily lives and sometimes we don't get it so we get it by throwing a picture of our kids onto social media and i'm just being devil's advocate because the question i'm going to ask all of you as you're listening is is why why are those photographs going up there? Is it because you want to share it with a few of your friends, but hold on a minute, your social media page because you've made yourself so exposed has got several hundred people on it. And then what need does that fulfill? We'll come to that in a minute, but it is a, it's a, and so that thrown into your mix, Harminder, becomes really interesting because you're absolutely right. You're now at the end of that point where you're kind of being very specific about how you use social media from a business perspective and you've got a baby coming up in a few weeks' time. And depending on where your emotional development is, or your needs are, it's a question of, okay, oh, let me put it all over social media, show pictures of my baby. Why this links to what you just said there and why I wanted to share that was, okay, but Harms, you're not a child, you're not a baby, but the message here, and if you've understood the point is between the age of 20, when Facebook and stuff started to become a thing, and the age of 30, I went through all of this. I went through those checkpoints that Oh, and and if if we tie it to what Ro is saying, it's basically me saying every six months or every two months, I need some recognition. Give me a hit of recognition. Yeah. Now, if that's me as a grown man in my twenties, thirties, seeking out that recognition and not understanding this cycle and what's happening and how to get it, and realize that I was in between a soldier and a baby, based on what Rose just said there. Now, imagine if this is an eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen-year-old who is going through that turmoil, but maybe doesn't have the maturity, doesn't understand what the world is really about. And it's arguable to say they shouldn't have to at that age. Imagine them going through all of that. What is that taking them away from? So that links row to- Well, and so adding adding to that, what's scary is imagine an 11 year old going onto YouTube and saying, how many hits did our video get mummy? How many people like me? So their whole psyche starts to evolve based on how many likes did I get? How many hits do I get? Now, let me tell you now, I've put videos up and even I've gone back and looked to see what response that got because I've noticed on certain times I'll say a message out there and Harms knows this because I've messaged him saying, that's really weird. I did a video the other day and it's had like 400 hits. And it was just, this, it was a message about parenting and, he, and Harms would often reflect back and go, yeah, maybe that's a really topical subject at the moment. Whereas if I'd gone on to it and go, God, why aren't people liking this? We, I need more. I need more views. Imagine me as a young, as you've just said, 10, 11, 12 year old. And I'm in that vulnerable space where, you know, I'm feeling sensitive. Maybe I've not got a good relationship with my parents because they're not very present with me. And there's another conversation to have with yourselves if you're listening. If we're always working, COVID's changed things. COVID's created a situation where parents are coming back into the home and having to learn to be present. But what if you've got children who never get a chance to have that time with you because you're always working, you don't have the time to be present. So they go thriving that presence and that recognition somewhere else and suddenly social media becomes that place. What's that adult going to be like in 10 to 15 years? Come join me on an event and I can share that with you. <laughs> I mean, I'm, 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 I'm smiling because I know how many people we've had to help. And what's lovely, Harminder, and I think you'll vouch for this, is when somebody comes to an event and we do an intervention and I get them onto the stage, whatever. And I ask enough questions. You see the penny drop and they go, oh my God, now I realize where this has come from. And they can mm-hmm. let it go. Somewhere in their makeup, they had a set of emotional events that triggered off a set of beliefs. And the minute they can see where that came from and they can clear it, they can let it go. They don't have to rely on that as a way of feeling like they're a human being. 
everything changes. It's deep and it may feel a bit deep for this particular, this is black belt stuff we talk about on, on, on these podcasts, but it's going to trigger my first question, which I guess you're going to probably ask me to do in a minute. I'll ask you in a second because you're opening up some. I know, some I know. I'm, I'm jumping subjects. all over here, but I'm. Too- uh, but, these, but these are really useful for the listeners to understand because those challenges which current adults come and come to the live events and they unlock these challenges which they had in their childhood, which just almost sets them free. Now, what's fascinating about social media is we don't understand the impact that no. it's going to have on them. And when they turn up to a live event or they meet a Rohan in a 20, 30, 40 years and go to a Dr. Rohan event or something similar and they say, okay, I didn't realize that this was because when I put a whole bunch of videos between the age of eight and 12 onto social media and I got horrible comments back like you're full of shit, you're ugly, this video is not funny, look at your hair, whatever the kind of, and that's me being gentle, you know, all you have to do is go to anybody's YouTube account any YouTube video, look at the comments and you can see how brutal people are. Now, that is not what your kids need to see or be exposed to because they shouldn't have to be fixing simple things like this when they're 30, 40, they're in the workplace and they're scared to do things, scared to stand up when it's because somebody shot them down because of their YouTube videos that they posted when they were eight years old. And the problem well, we're just is, not going to see the impact of this. Well, no, and when a child is that young, if they read that, I mean, it happened on one of my posts recently. I remember I think I said, look at this, it was a comment that came in and I was talking about it's really important that we're more present with our kids and that may sometimes mean dropping a project you're looking to do, which might involve money and having more time with your family. Maybe that's something to consider. And some woman came back and said, you're so full of shit. Now, had I been an 11 year old talking about this subject and seen that on a video, I might have then found myself trying to say the opposite or do something to please those people, but you can never please Mm -hmm. 10,000, 15,000 or 20,000 people are watching you. That's just not, it's never going to happen. So it becomes this self-destructive mechanism if we don't mature enough to be able to handle it. And, And at young age, I don't think most kids are. Absolutely. So we've really talked and we've gone deep. So with this depth, let's now take a few steps out and actually leave the listeners with some questions. And this is the really core of the episode, which we want to leave you with something which will get you thinking. So we've talked about social media, putting your kids on social media, all the aspects around it. But what's what are some questions that our listeners can ask themselves Mm. as parents? Go for it. Okay, so no, you finish the question, and then because I'm thinking we should alternate on this, it'd be good for to get two different perspectives. Fantastic. So something they can listen to as parents or going to be parents, i.e., myself, people who are very close with parents who are having newborns, so brothers and sisters yeah. of people who are just about to have children. All of these people, I think, is going to be massively important that they're left with this thought-provoking set of questions which they can use and think about when we talk about social media. Because, like I said. This young generation has not gone through a full cycle yet. So mm. we have to be mindful. Let's not go 50, 60 years down the line and then say, oh shit, social media was really messed up our kids. Uh, what should we do to fix it? Let's mm. try to do something along the way. So yeah. whoa, I, I like that. Let's alternate. Yeah. alternate. And how would you kick uh, it off? Uh, you so let me first? kick off. So, uh, And again, as I ask the questions... And this is with any type of question you're going to get. And I'm going to approach this as a coach. So the the assumption is if you've come this far down the webinar rabbit hole with us, you are okay for us to ask questions that may challenge you. And if I was going face to face on a coaching session with you, or if you were 
if I was being coached, I would give my coach permission to be direct and just say, just ask me the questions. I know they're coming from the right space. Let me handle how I answer them. So the first question is, why would I, I yourself, or I could ask you, why would you want to, or you could ask yourself, why would I want to put my kids on social media? Why am I doing this? Simple, fundamental question. Now, you might think, well, I just want to show a video of them, but I'm going to ask a deeper question. That's the surface question to some extent. So why do you want to put your kids on social media? Let me go deeper. Is this to meet your own needs? And if you ask me what I mean by that, I'm, I'm asking the question, what do you get by putting your kids on social media? Because if you get lots of likes and recognition and people saying to you, oh my gosh, your kids are amazing. You, you should be so proud. You're amazing. You've got this wonderful kids. Who's that about? You've just shown a video and you've shown photographs and it's right out to the general, general public and you get 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 200, whatever it is, people come back. As we just talked about, it's a basic human need. So I'm asking the question provocatively, but also as a coach is why are you wanting to do that? without a judgment, just asking the question, but let me add another layer to that. Is it to get, because the opposite to that could be, well, you know, is it to get an authentic message out? Are you showing a video of your children doing X, Y, and Z because you want to get a personal message out to the world to share or inspire them? Is that another reason? And that's a different one to the first one. Is it to build a brand around your kids as Harminder's mentioned? So in other words, are you doing it from a business perspective? And for that reason, you're doing it in a certain structure. There's a certain number of videos. You've got links, you've got promotion, you get some sort of referral fee. Is that what it's for? But that's the first question, Harms. Before you even do it, why are you doing it? And the big question in my mind, is it for your needs to be met or is it actually for the benefit of your kids? Fantastic. So, that's a really powerful one. I think that's the the most important one. If you just take one away, it's it's that first one because it allows us to lead into a uh, the next set of questions. So, mm. the question which would lead on after that is, let's assume you know you are going to put your children on social media, or hypothetically you are. We can then ask the question: What impact will this have on your experience with your kids? Mm. And what I mean by that is. Rose already described a very tiny, you know, maybe that was a day in his on his holiday in Australia where that day he always had his camera on. So if you always have the camera on, how will that impact the experiences with your kids? Will that mean you remain present with them? So do you continue to feel present with them or do you then become disconnected from what is exactly happening at that moment? You know, think about going to a concert and recording the concert on your mobile phone is a classic version of, are you present in the moment, in mm. the music and the content and the energy, or are you present with ensuring that you can see that your phone is recording this experience to share with somebody else? Mm. Then if you are going down this route and you have the camera out, another powerful question to ask yourself is, do you feel that they are also enjoying the experience? Mm. Because, well, you mentioned, I hope you don't mind sharing, is by the time you got to the evening and you guys sat on the sofa on this one day in Australia, the kids were like, oh, dad, put the camera away now, yeah. which is a good indicator of maybe they are no longer enjoying that experience, which is awesome because you've gone through the process. You ask yourself the question, do you feel like they're enjoying the experience? If the answer is obviously no, because they're saying it to you, this is no, this is no longer fun. 
then hopefully that should help answer the question. And just, which then just to add on to, to that, Harms, is, is uh, if you find yourself saying to your kids, yeah, but it's just this one last video and it wraps up the whole day. We'll have everything done then. And that one last video could be another 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes. If you find yourself doing that, are you listening to your kids or are you trying to meet your own needs? So what comes after that, Will? Uh-huh. So I like that one, by the way. What's the impact? Great question. Uh, the next thing for me is to ask the question, if you're going to do this, right? So if you've made a decision, you know what? Thanks for the message, guys. I understand what you guys are trying to say. And there's a balance to this. But from what I can gather, you're not so positively encouraging people to do it. And we're just saying this is our own personal view. If you decide you're going to do it, then ask yourself this question, what's the balance? You know, you've chosen to bring your children into the world when they first emerge and you're holding them in your arms and you're looking down at that lovely little face. Did you say to them, by the way, daddy's going to film you all the time and take you out everywhere and post pictures of you all over social media. And there'll be times when you probably just want to play with me, but I'm just going to get the fat, the camera in your face and just keep filming it and edit it later on in the evening and stick it out. Is that, is that what you said at that moment? When you looked into the eyes of that beautiful child, I know you're probably all laughing or thinking I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but the question is, what's the balance? So when my kids are around me and there's something going on and you've seen this, Harmin, I, I, I'm going to take a picture. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just want to remember it and I don't need or have a need to capture it on film. We have parents that are quite remote from us. So, you know, we've got parents in Denmark. My mum's four hours from where we live. She loves the experience of us sending down photographs of what they're doing on a daily, weekly basis. We do that a lot with my mother, particularly. And Stina does the same thing with her mother as well in Denmark. Now we do that for our own purposes. So we'll take a picture, we'll put the camera away. But if you're doing it for social media, there's a different agenda here. And you might say, well, it's not, it's because I want to get it out there. But we're not talking about just one or two members of the family now. You've obviously got a reason you've decided to get it out to a larger audience. Then maybe you can think about what situations to do it in so that your kids at least get some measure of presence with you. And you say, I'm present with them. I'm here. No, just so everybody's clear, just because you're with your kids, it doesn't mean you're present with your kids. You could be on your phone, just uploading it or editing it or tweaking it and hours gone by. And you say, yeah, but I was on the beach for an hour with my kids. Okay. Just so we're clear, right? You're on the beach for an hour and 20 minutes with your kids. You film them for 20 minutes. The other hour, you were physically on the beach, but you were present, not with your kids, you were present with your phone. And that's a conversation for another day, Harms. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's provocative, but I'm just asking the question because I've had to have the same conversation with myself. And I've even found myself doing it on occasion. I've gone, right, stop this. Why am I doing this? That's not what, that's what I'm about. And then how much, the other question inside of that is how much time is spent doing it? So you've got to ask yourself, if you're going to do it, then do you allocate a certain amount of time to do it? Do you try and create a balance and how much time do you feel is sensible before it becomes silly? And now you don't feel present with your family and your kids. More technical questions about the balance of time really there. I think that's a great question, Ro. And then to f- sort of finalize this process of questions is just re re-loop back to yeah. yourself on a personal level and just mm. ask yourself, you know, what are you looking to achieve from this? What is the outcome you want from having exposed your children to social media, put them on social media? And, you know, it can fall into various categories. It could be simply money. Are you looking to add another revenue to your family? And that's, that's okay. Is it fame? You know, is there something about the celebrity that you enjoy that you're pursuing? Is it a combination of both? I.e., Are you building a brand which is linked to fame and money? Is it potentially what 
may not be so obvious, but maybe it's obvious now after Rose described it. Is it that recognition? Is it the recognition that you're hoping to achieve from this? Now, linked to that are all of the other hidden things that we may not realize until we ask these deeper questions. For example, for the parent, is it is it just to make you feel good? Is it for the endorphin kick when somebody validates your post or gives you a thumbs up and says, oh my God, you dress your kids so fantastically or your kids are beautiful, your kids are so cute. Like, is it those things that are hidden that you're after in regards to an outcome? And it's really interesting to think about that because they're not so obvious. The money, fame, brand, business, they're all the obvious ones. You know, you get paid for a sponsored post. Your kid wears a specific brand and you maybe pick up a check of £5,000 for it. All sounds appealing, but hidden behind those are all of these sort of triggers that trigger us as a, on a human level that our child won't experience yet, but it's really for you. So I think on that final question, it's really just reminding yourself and looping back and saying on a personal level, what am I looking to achieve from this mm. whole project, social media, putting my kids on social media? Yeah. And, and I think that's a nice round circle that we've come back round to slightly different way of, ref, uh, you know, the question that was asked at the beginning. Just on that note, these are four questions to really take away from this podcast. If you take nothing else away, at least ask those questions. It doesn't harm you to ask them. And at least you know, as you move forward, what your philosophy is behind why you're doing this. Absolutely. So I want to almost ask a counter question to you, Ro, because mm-hmm. like, like you said, we may sound like because the way we live our lives is we are not really on social media on a personal level. We are very much on a business level, but not necessarily personal, which is you know, the flip side question, which somebody may be thinking now, which is, okay, so are you guys saying it's never okay to put your kids on social media? And, you know, is it, if there is a time to put our kids on social media, when is it? You know, Mm. if they're listening to us and saying, I get this, but is there a time to put our kids on social media? What are your thoughts here? Having built businesses, having used online tools and social media for many years and having dealt with people at the start of their journeys, also, when they come to live events and you see these challenges that you help them unlock, challenges that they've had locked inside them from childhood. Yeah. So that's why I'm asking you the question here, Ro. Mm, it's a great question. And actually, I think we should always, you know, when you're listening to a podcast like this or any other podcast that you follow, it will always be one or two people's view. So if we had 10 sets of parents around a table here and we're having a conversation, you might get a slightly different perspective. I think you've done a great caveat on that and you maybe expanded on the fact that the number of people I've worked with in the field that I do which obviously is interventional coaching and working with people I have unraveled certain codes and certain clues that the world has left that's told me oh hold on a minute when people experience this at a young age it tends to result in this behavior later on so I think you asking the question the way you have done is, is a very smart way to ask it so look the answer to that is we need to ask deeper questions so what I think this is about is about the driving force behind why you're putting your children on social media. And it might be a little bit of recapping what we just asked the question about, but the four questions above really help with this. So here's an example. I recently saw a Facebook, I think I even shared it with you. I recently saw a Facebook post from somebody, it was a parent whose two children 
were reading out something about personal development. And the kids are, I think, from memories of six, seven, eight, nine years of age, something like that. And the children were reading it. And as you watched it, it kind of felt a little bit like they'd been prompted to do it. Does that make sense? It was, it was, it was cute. Don't get me wrong. It was really cute to watch. But my gut told me it's like they've been sat on the couch and they've got this stuff and they're reading it out and the parents sort of guiding it a little bit maybe and filming in a certain way to get this, this message over there. And it went to social Facebook from memory, got loads of likes, loads of thumbs up, seven or 800 views in a short space of time. And people were saying, oh, your kids are so cute. You must be so proud. And when I watched it and I saw the comments in the gut of my stomach, I was asking myself the question, has this person put it up there because they're really proud and they want to show the world about their kids? Did the kids actually want to put it up there? And did they want to do it the same way they did? And what was the outcome of that for the parent? So what I'm not. What's so- funny, though, is if if I flip this on the other side, <sighs> if you look at this as a parent, how did this used to play out? And I'm just laughing because I was subjected to this. Right. You know, you'd have close families, uncles, aunties around for that din- dinner on Saturday or Sunday. Oh, I can see where this is and going. then your mum and dad will say, right, that poem, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. thing you've been writing or that musical thing you've been doing. I want you to stand up in front of everybody right now and go. present it. Yeah. <laughs> and then everybody's like, oh, your son, your daughter is so fantastic. Uh, we're all so proud of you. So how would that have felt in- if you'd said, I'd really like to read this poem out to everybody? I've, you know, I practice it and I kind of just like to share it so people can get the words from this poem. How would that have felt to you if it had been that way? I think if... I think probably talking about the 1% of children who would actually want to do that <laughs> at that time. Uh, but that's different because it's come from me. It's like, mom, dad, I'm so excited. And I guess, you know, that may have been me having a personality to be a performer, drama, arts, etc. But that wasn't myself. I was forced. And all my poor cousins and brothers and sisters, etc. all of these people were forced. I would just sit there and it's like, ha it's your turn. They've, they've called upon you today, not me. And it was just hilarious. Now, the thing is that used to happen in a safe space, a safe environment. Yeah. But the parent would still be doing it for them, not me. But that's okay because look, what is it? It's in front of four people. Proud parents, yeah. Two families. Proud parent. Yeah. Two families, couple of uncles, aunties, and that would be it. So that's I'm finding it fascinating because what you've described there could be anybody, but it used to happen classically in private in a safe space where you know the child is just going to get encouragement. So here's um, the thing, right? There were seven or 800 views. People had shared the video. Oh, look at how cute so-and-so's kids are. You know. And yes, if we say those things. The question is, what was the intent? What was the driving force behind it? So there's three things. I mean, in answer to your question, because I don't, I think all we can do is lay it out there and let people make their own judgment in terms of for what's right for their kids, as opposed to a judgment on themselves. Because please don't listen to this and go, oh shit, you know, I actually never looked at it this way what have I been doing? And some of you may be listening to that and be thinking that equally, you might be thinking, yeah, you know what, guys, I think you're overthinking this. I just think it's great to have my kids on social media. And so what if thousands of people look at it and then it ends up in somebody's intray and some guy that's a bit weird starts looking at my kid. I'm I'm okay with that. (laughs) Uh, Not that I'm trying to over leverage what I'm saying, but the point is we have no control. I think that would be fair to say, Harms. We can't say it's just going into my, if I'm in my front room and my daughter wants to play the piano in front of the, uh, the family, they're the only ones that are going to watch it unless a member of my family films it and puts it onto Facebook. All of a sudden, 
another thousand people might watch it. But outside of that, it's never going to go outside of that one experience. Do you remember that Christmas when Savannah stood up and said, I'd like to play this piano lesson? Yes, she chose to. It was 10 people at the family. That's it. The minute it goes to Facebook, you've got no control, as far as I understand. Absolutely. And, you know, if we take that example you said, let's assume seven, 800 people watched it. And typically on Facebook, I don't know, say maybe 10, 20 people commented and they said, oh, this is amazing, cute, encouraging words. Now, every so often, two things happen. One is somebody doesn't comment. They just consume it and they think their thoughts. Now, that doesn't really matter to us. You know, we don't want to trouble ourselves with what other people are thinking. But every so often, somebody thinks it and they say it and they and they say it on the post, which is, it's, it's so hard for me to even say, but something negative about yeah. that scenario, you know, yeah, yeah. like I said previously, you know, oh, you're ugly, you're rubbish at piano, this and that and this and that. And there's loads of things. And like, I'd, I'd really encourage parents to go on to YouTube and Facebook and look at the way strangers comment on a post that has nothing to do with them without any care about how it affects the person. That's where we are at. So I was in a post office, it's a bizarre situation, post office, child sat there waiting for his mum on one of these like chairs there, waiting chair, watching a, a somebody play a piano. And the person playing the piano was on a YouTube channel. It was probably about four years, three or four years younger than this other child. And the mum saying, why can't you play your piano like that? How, look how young he, why can't you play your piano like that? I'm thinking, oh my God. So this child's watching another child play a piano who's younger than him and his parents going at the her child about they're not good enough or not as good as this other child that's on the YouTube channel. That's fascinating. And, so, and, well, you, sorry, go for it. It's just, look, I'm painting a, maybe an extreme picture. And I think the point is, we've, it goes back to the balance question and, you know, what are we, why are we doing this? I, I said there was three things, so I know I've jumped around hard. Can I just jump, to, jump onto my three yeah, please. things? please. So three things. Number one, so you said, are you saying it's never, we should never do it? Let me ask three questions. Number one, who's this for? So go back to this. Ask uh, who's driving this. Am I driving it as the adult or is my child driving it? I think that's a really good question because if they want to do it and they have a desire to do it, then it's more about how we regulate that, which I think maybe you could tackle a bit later, Harmendra or one of us can tackle. That's one thing. Number two is, are you trying to impress somebody? I felt this is just my my observation, I might be wrong, but when I watched that video the other day, I just got a feeling that the parent was trying to make a statement uh, to get attention. That was just something in the way it was filmed, etc. So what's the driver behind this? If you're going to do this video and you're going to post it with your kids, what's it for? Are you trying to get attention, trying to impress somebody? Is there a need that you need to get met? So it's just asking some of the questions we asked earlier on a slightly different way. Number three is, if it is your kids driving it, as opposed to number two, which is you driving it, so question number one, who's driving it? Question number two is, if it's you, then are you trying to please somebody or impress somebody? Question number three, if your kids, same question. What's driving their desire to do it? Why and what's the purpose? So if they want to help and share and inspire people and want to do this video because it's going to inspire other kids, brilliant. If they're doing it because they want to get a lot of hits and get recognized and get some sort of recognition, ask yourself the question, is that the best message to tell my kids that they only get recognition by doing this? This is a deeper question on a personal development front. So you might say I'm overthinking this and there's an argument to say, well, you know, it's it's just a video, but I think it comes down to your awareness. So a few things to ask yourself maybe are, where's my children videos being posted? Who's going to watch them? How's the material going to be used? 
these are just questions I think to ask when it comes to the question you asked me is, so should we never do it? And all mm. I'm saying is be more thoughtful about how and when you do it. And, and why, I think that's the best approach. Um, so asking the question why there is really important. But let's say, you know, one of your children say, you have touched upon it, but I think it's worth expanding, which is one of your children say, you know, maybe they're getting older when they say, okay, but I want to do something online. I want to share something online. Maybe their friends are doing it or something like that. Now, how do, would you approach that situation in regards to, you know, asking them why and what kind of, maybe what kind of responses, and I, I'd implore all parents to actually go and try this himself, but what kind of responses typically, maybe you've had them yourself, Ro, but would you expect from a child when you ask them why and how can parents almost decode maybe what's going on there mm, mm, mm. in regards to wanting to say, yeah. oh, I really want to go on social media? That's a very, very, very good question. Because as children, as parents, we kind of go, oh, that's a good idea. I, I think th the key thing is to just talk to your children. And this is what happened when the kids wanted to, even when they wanted to do the video of the sheep, I said, oh, why do you want to do it? And, and uh, it's like, oh, we just want to uh, show people what we do and know how we collect the, the wool and show them how to do something with it. Now, that was really maybe the kids, because they see daddy always teaching. It's like, oh, show people how to do things. So for them, there was a just a there was no in no way was there like I want to get recognition I want people to like my videos I want to get see if I can get fifteen a thousand ten thousand fifty thousand views it was coming from a place of just wanting to share something same thing with when we were in Australia and they had the idea they had been inspired by watching a couple of videos and they and they wanted to show other children what it was like to you know, touch this or see this or observe this and, and what their experience of it was. So I think the key, key thing is to ask honest questions of your children about what the driving force is, what, what they hope to gain from it, what the intention is behind it. How will it make them feel is a really good question, Harm. So, you know, go back to your question about what the driving reason is. Is it something they want to do for fun? Is it because they want to get more attention and attract more people to like them, which is a slightly different experience altogether. And that's one that would concern me because they're chasing recognition, which goes back to the earlier part of the podcast. So I think as adults, we should be intuitive enough to get a sense of where that driving force is. And then from there, I would ask my kids, well, what's another way we could get that? If they said, well, we, I want to help people. I might say, well, what's another way we could help people? Uh, oh, why don't we write a book? can we write a book daddy or can we can we keep a journal can we do a diary or can we do a video for granny instead okay that's a good idea let's do it for granny that would help granny so sometimes it's just redirecting the way they're thinking and asking them the question a different way if they say we want to help people i might say well so what's another way we could help people uh, and who would you want to help um, i just want people to understand how we did this wool if i didn't want them to go on i could have said well who else could we help oh granny might like it because she likes to knit woolen jumpers how about we do the group video for granny and we can make it a bit longer oh yeah that's a good idea daddy right so what do you want to film first then i'm back to them not me saying right this is what we're gonna all right okay director's thing up <laughs> right yeah. we'll do this what would you like to film first oh can we just film how we collected it from the grass first okay great so let's do that and then well, and then we'll send that to granny so sometimes it's just redirecting their thinking if you think the intention isn't necessarily the healthiest intention for them this is great so this is really interesting as a up and coming parent, I don't think <laughs> of the correct phrase for that, but a, a parent to be, that's the phrase. So what if you had some kickback from that, from parents and they said, yeah, but isn't that too controlling? Are you not giving your kids enough freedom? And I guess where I'm going from this question is, mm. is there a level of 
parental responsibility or because the reality is, and I'm almost asking this question for us to discuss, but the reality is our kids don't know the danger and the risks associated to what happens on social media. I just described my on, off, on, off, on, off social media experience. And the kids won't understand that yet because they come from this amazingly pure place, uh, which I've learned uh, from time with you about explaining the child's development. They come from this really pure place of, I just want to share it because this is amazing. And that's as, that's mm. as simple as it is for them. But there are some risks evolved as that progresses. And I think as a parent, you're aware of those. So you're almost trying to protect them. And, I, yeah. and I'm almost answering the question for you, but I wanted to open it up to see, is, yeah, is yeah. that in your line of thinking? Yeah, look, I think we should expand on this actually, by the way. Maybe you could talk us through a few scenarios in a minute. But but I think just to simplify the response to that question, we all have it. So every single one of us, myself included, it's built into us at some point in our lives. I guess the more conscious we become of it, there's less of a need for it. But that is some form of validation, some form of acknowledgement, some form of having our ego. So, so if we go back to the basic human needs, we've got the need for belonging, the need for security. We've got the need for recognition or feeling importance. We've got the, the, re, the need for standing out and then the variety. And there's sort of four or five key human needs that we have. The, the risk here is that children use this as their mechanism for getting validation for even the smallest things they do. So as opposed to just doing it because they love it, like you see my kids. I mean, you go out with my youngest, Liv, or even Savannah. I mean, we were out the other day, went for a walk, and they were just running around catching, um, what were they catching? Harms? Cr- uh, cr- uh, crickets, 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 butterflies, yeah. anything that was flapping their wings. And yeah. at any point, they didn't come up to you, myself, or your wife and say, oh, look at this, look what I found and recognize me for it. They just, they were absolutely enthralled and they wanted us to have the experience, didn't they? Mm, absolutely. Now, imagine if you had videoed that and then let's go onto YouTube and let's see how many people really like what you did live or Savannah. Well, imagine if you, uh, let's get this on video and see how many people like this. So all of a sudden the experience of the crickets, which we had live and they jumped all over your hairy legs and stuff like that, that, that gets switched out for how many people have watched my video uncle Harminder now. Oh, 53 people. Wow. What about if we did another video where I do this and maybe I can get more likes than Savannah. And, it, and, it, and that's the challenge I have where, the experience doesn't become about the experience now for the child's own emotional growth. It actually becomes about them being recognized for something they do. So they now spend their lives seeking the next level of recognition. So nothing's then, ever really satisfying because there got to be another way to get greater level of recognition. How come they got 65 views? I only got 35. Maybe I need to do it differently. Agree. And then depending on the kind of reaction response or recognition they get, they can potentially walk down these various paths, you know, the vanity, the showing yes. off the sense of power yeah. and ego, the sense of superiority. But and and it does, it does that's, a, that, that's a very good point. It plays out in the school environment and then into adult life as well. And you, sorry to jump in there. And you've, I mean, you've witnessed it in your own experience. I've seen you deal with it in a professional environment as well, because you tend not to go into that space. But I've seen you in situations where there's people around you almost trying to compete in that space and you haven't felt a need to do it. So something in your makeup has never been triggered by that. You, you've not been driven by that as a driver, whereas some of the people you've had to deal with, they are. And so they'll try and bolster themselves up, make themselves look more special. Mm, absolutely. And it really plays out on social media. And one of the oh challenges parents may not understand is, you know, when you if you decide to go down the road and you put your 
kids video on YouTube or Facebook, etc. One of the flip side challenges is, you know, what if nobody watches them? Yeah. What if they get no recognition? Yeah. And if you remember what I said at the start, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, etc. You know, they are advertising companies. They they are advertising placement companies. So people pay them for their information and posts and adverts to be seen. They they're really not into allowing thousands and thousands and thousands of people to see your post. So if it's your first post of your child and you get two likes, that can be just as disheartening to to the whole experience. So it plays out in many, many, many different ways, whether it's good or bad, etc. So, Ro, does that make sense? It does. And I think, you know, look, you're hearing different perspectives. You've got a younger voice talking as a millennial, but being a parent to be, and, and there's me having been through this as a parent, but also having to deal with people. And I think if you're listening to this, it's like, okay, try and put some perspective around this. Maybe Harms, you could give us some sort of, maybe describe some scenarios that, that you, you could wrap a shape around for people to go, okay, well, so give me a couple of examples of how this plays out when it comes to responsibility and understanding the risks Fantastic. So I just want to add another point to that, which is as well as the risks associated with it, I want to give them something to actually do instead. Okay. So this is almost if you're a Growth Tribes podcast listener, you know, we're coming to the close to the end and we want to leave you with some thoughtful things you can actually do, some action points you can do. And I'm sure Ro will have something to share with you as well. Now, I will be approaching this from a more of a technical perspective side of things Mm -hmm. based on based on our company what we see uh, what we see on a regular occasion plus a bit of human behavior and that is two very common scenarios which i can even link back to my childhood in terms of what i would typically do as a child is scenario number one now scenario number one is classic which is look we want to use social media simply to connect share with family do some live live filming or film something just so that we can literally pass it on to, like you said, row grandma, friends, families, uncles, aunties, people who you trust and that are close to you. Now, the risk is we do this in an online space and expose this to strangers. So how can you have best of both worlds? So this is where, if you're listening, you may want to take a note, which is set up a private group on whatever platform you use. So if it's Facebook, you can set up a private Facebook group and in the settings, you can set it to secret, which means even people in the public can't find it unless they know the exact name. And you can invite your family, friends, etc., into there and then everybody can see it privately in that space. So that's one way to continue to use social media, but use it in a really sensible way. If you feel like after listening to myself and Ro talk about social media and putting your kids on social media, you may say, I am done. Like I need a social media break. I need to reassess how I'm using this. Then alternatively with connecting and sharing with your family and friends, just use something like WhatsApp. Um, You know, use something really simple, a family WhatsApp group, a friend's WhatsApp group, and just do something really simple and use something like that. It's completely offline in the sense that you're not on social media. That's scenario one word. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. And what I like is that you're giving people an out. If they still want to do a share, you're giving them a simple way to do that. So WhatsApp, I think, is one of those spaces where you can control who's on there. I know you don't know where it's going to go afterwards, but that's a great suggestion. 
Okay, great. So that's scenario one, very common. And it's actually probably why we first started using social media. <laughs> yeah. Because tools like WhatsApp and that weren't really accessible. So now they are, it's a great place to connect, which is probably why Facebook bought it. Mm. Uh, and, you know, let, let's put a bit of a defense up here. It was convenient. I, mean, I can remember when people in the family mm. did want to photograph. It's like, oh, gosh, right, let me get it printed for you. Back in my day, it was like a film, took it to the print, <laughs> came back. Oh, I forgot to get you copies. Hold on, mum. I'll get you some copies. Send off, get the copies, come back. I'll send them in the post to you. And all of a sudden, wow, one photograph, one click, I can post. So I think the ease and the convenience of it, it just, we went the opposite way. We suddenly like, filled our boots up and went for it, didn't we? Absolutely. And I think you can do that in a sensible, responsible way as well. So that's scenario one. Scenario two is, I think if your children have an instinct or they are off the age where you know, they want to express their creativity. Maybe they're inspired by movies, music videos, uh, this art of storytelling. You know, they're reading the children's storybooks or the whole Harry Potter series, etc. And they're just so inspired. And they want to replicate that in their own life using, uh, whether making mini movies, mini documentaries, fun photography, whatever they want to do. I actually took this from my wife, Gina, because when we was having this conversation, one thing she said to me was, look, when we did created movies and replicated music videos and all the fun stuff you do as kids, we would do a family screening. So on the weekend, we would make mum and dad sit down and we would show them the movies that we'd made and they would have to sit there and bear it. Just like when they would make us stand up and read poems, we did the reverse to them and they had to watch our movies, our music videos yeah. that we recreated. Now, it allows them to tap into that creativity. It allows them to share what they've created but interestingly enough, it's completely an offline activity. It does not require any social media platform. You can easily pick up a 30, 40 pound Canon video camera, which you won't mind getting damaged and get them filming and allow them a really simple free video editing tool. Some, some cameras are so advanced that you can just put a mini movie together based on the software they've got built in. So there's really cool things you can do out there, which do not require social media platform but still allow children to pursue that passion creative passion but also i think it's an important note row is the feedback is also controlled because without being with keeping it really simple there's some crazy people online and there's some people who maybe haven't got their shit together and they want to express their negativity on other people just sharing doing their thing and they're brutal so if we can control that feedback for our children certainly in the early years you know, when they're 20, 25, 30, they'll, they'll automatically understand how crazy the world is. Yeah, true. But do they have to experience that at the age of eight or seven or 11? I don't know. Mm. Great. Two good examples there. And I think anyone listening, you know, do take notes. I think it's going to be in our show notes as well. It, it, this podcast has been very much about provoking thoughts, questions, challenging where you're at, not in a negative way, but just really, um, as we've been doing over the years, and you're more recently, Harms, with the baby coming, just asking those questions. And, you know, we, we cannot wait to see photographs of your lovely baby, Harms, all over Facebook. <laughs> 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 um, no, but I mean, a final word from me, just jokes aside, to, just to wrap this up. I think the other thing you've got as a parent is you do have the ability to um, have some control over these social media platforms. So do take the time to understand them better. I think that's something that Harms has alluded to earlier on in the podcast. And I think for a lot of us, and I put my hand up and say this, often we'll put an app on our phone, we'll, we'll jump onto it. The older generation, 
and I say older, sort of the 40, 50, 60 year old generation, we go, oh, how does it work? Okay, so I click here. Oh, and I post there. Right. Okay. We don't go and delve behind and get under the hood and have a look and see how can I switch this off? How can I do that? How can I restrict that? And even today, even my mum, I was telling her something not so long back and often people go, oh, I didn't know you could do that. I'm the same sometimes. You tell me something. I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. I didn't know you could do that. So I think this getting comfortable with looking underneath the hood of your your platform that you're using and finding out whether it can control certain things is, is great. So do that. Look at things like notifications. Who sees your posts? You can find out about that. You know, what do they see? Who can you see? So that's another thing to be mindful as well. It just takes a little bit of work to do this and set it up the way you want it to do. I mean, a classic example is you can just simply turn off comments on your Facebook and you can restrict what people are saying. So if you are going to do it, at least it's just purely the fact that the information has been presented, the videos there. If your children happen to be on social media and they look at their own video, they don't see some idiot there making a negative comment about their children and they're going, oh my gosh, what does that mean about me? As you've already talked about, Harminda. So just something as simple as that can change the child's experience of their own videos that are being shown online. I think that's something to share. Mm, absolutely. Well, you've started to evolve that and, and you can see what's under the hood there with a lot of these apps and platforms. And I think it's worth noting that, remember, when you do download the app and platform, they are they are by default set up to expose you. And what I mean by expose you is give away as much of your data as possible so that advertising companies can advertise to you. Okay, let's just keep it really simple. That's how they're set up. But because of all of the pressures that they faced, uh, governmental courts, legal action, etc., they give you a lot of access to customize the app in whichever way you want, especially based on what you see and what you don't see. So well, if you were to look at my Facebook newsfeed on my phone, right, I see nothing. I see nobody's posts now apart from three people. And one of those people is yourself because, you know, we, we support your business as well. Yeah. But I see nothing. If I log onto Facebook on my computer, I'm using an app. And I think if people just, just reach out, we can, we can, uh, I'll put it in the show notes. There's like a really cool app, which completely blocks your Facebook feed. Like you just can't see it. And it just puts a really cool quote there instead. So there's all of this functionality available to us. It just requires a bit of time and effort so that our kids are not exposed mm. to something which is quite damaging. Actually, so, if, I, yeah, I love even that, that, that comment there, you know, we could just open up that comment about blocking the feed and that could be a conversation for an hour because imagine a child seeing a comment on your phone and it's a reference to a video that's been posted about them. They click on that. Suddenly that takes them down a rabbit hole because then that opens up other comments and then they suddenly follow somebody else's. And before you know it, they're on the screen for 20, 30 minutes, just chasing loads of comments about various things to mm. try and get some sort of gratification. Important note here, though, Ro, is if you are Growth Tribe's podcast listener and you decide to block your newsfeed, then definitely <laughs> go to the website <laughs> growthtribes.com and give us your email address. Otherwise, you won't get a notification yes. for when there's a new episode. Yeah. Because, yes, we do post on social media. <laughs> But we don't want you to miss a show or an episode. Otherwise, you'll miss these really thoughtful discussions. That's true. Unless this becomes the last one after this and you go, hold on a minute, I'm <laughs> yeah. out of here. Suddenly we have no <laughs> listeners. Why did that happen? So look, we've gone down 
deep as we always do. We've gone black belt. You've probably heard the phrase us use. I think I'd like to wrap up if it's all right with Harmony. Yes, um, please. Just with a few thoughts uh, on a more sort of thought-provoking way. So look, t- take a journey. If I was sat with you and you said to me, Robert, you know what? What would be a good step to do now? A good step is to take a journey into the future. Literally walk down this path that you're on, this amazing journey that you're on, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And imagine that you're sat on a rocking chair on a bench or looking out of a lake or something. You're looking back at these memories of this period where your kids were growing up and you're reflecting on that. How do you want it to look? How do you want the experience to feel? How do you want to remember those experiences you had with your kids meaning did you know did you as we've described today did you want those experiences to be moments magic moments where you were present and you you were actually able to just experience it without even without a camera being out or anything or is it a case of oh yeah i remember that's when we were filming that footage for that youtube channel or and suddenly it's dulled by that experience and I'm, I'm not trying to bias you i'm just asking you to reflect back so you have to go into the future to look back it's the only way to do it was it how you wanted your kids to remember this if you could look back from the future as a 70 80 year old 90 year old and your kids are grown up now is this how you want their mental photo album to be of you on the camera filming them posting it to social media checking on the likes is that what you wanted what memories is a third question. What memories do you want to leave? What footprints do you want to leave in their minds? And then the last thing really is just reflect on the questions we asked earlier on, which were quite provocative about your reasons, why you do it, how you're doing it. What's the driving force? Four things. That's a fantastic place to leave us, Rowan. Thank you for those those sort of thought-provoking things to leave the listeners with. Now, that and everything else we've discussed, plus some useful links which I've mentioned regarding protecting or balancing out your social media usage and some really cool apps, I will put in the show notes. You know where to find that, growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. Remember, if you are deciding to clear out your newsfeed, don't clear out the Growth Tribes podcast, or at least leave us your email so we tell you, uh, subscribe so that we tell you when there's a new episode out. That's massively important. Brilliant. Again, hopefully you found today super, super useful, and it was a discussion. It was trying to present a balanced view from a parent and a a parent to be so really exciting chat for me and to pull some of your insights row from this show and almost firm up some of the decisions that me and my wife have made off the back of this mm. so that being said it's myself and rose signing out remember the show notes are growthtribes.com forward slash podcast we shall see you on the next episode Hello, it's Dr. Rowe here. Harms and I would both like to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Growth Tribes. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal level, on a professional level, to help your life, maybe even other people's lives, then we'd love it if you could take action on one of the following things. You can either simply subscribe so you don't miss out on any other great insights coming up in the future, You can share this podcast with close friends so they can also get the benefits of the tips and tools that we're sharing. Or it would be amazing if you could give us a review and let others know just how great this episode was. And finally, if you do have a question, don't forget to submit it on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. 
Thank you again for listening. This is Dr. Rowan Harm signing out and we'll see you again on the next podcast. <laughs>